Have you ever wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host, Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious and, yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere today, and it's Inez Simpson here, and I do have my sidekick around somewhere. Martin's here somewhere, and we're welcoming Doug O'Brien to the show, and Doug and I have never really met anywhere, but he's a very interesting guy, and besides which, Melissa Tears told me to have him on the show, so I always do what Melissa tells me to do. <laughs> I think she knows what she's talking about. So... I'm going to add and welcome you, Doug, and I'd like you, first of all, maybe just to give the audience a little bio and how you came to, to be a hypnotist and the style of hypnotist that you are. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I, I will say that I could talk about that subject, about how I came to be a hypnotist uh, for a long time, but since this is only a one-hour show, I'll keep it brief. Um, I came to new, uh, hypnosis kind of through the back door. Mm -hmm. I was a, a musician in New York City. Um, and uh, took a firewalk from Tony Robbins back in 1985 and learned all about NLP or, or the Neuro Linguistic Programming, as they call it. And um, the more I studied that, because I found it very interesting, the more it led me into its origins, which is Ericksonian hypnosis. So then I started studying Ericksonian hypnosis, and I've been doing that ever since. So I've been doing this as a full-time occupation since about 1990. Awesome. That's uh, quite a long time now. It doesn't sound long in my ears because it still sounds right, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> Nineteen anything is a long time ago at this point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that brought you to hypnosis and the style of hypnosis you do. Um, so just give us a little broad stroke bio of what you've been up to since that 1990. Well, um, I still play music. I just don't do Anymore, but I I, um, I use hypnosis. I use NLP in a variety of ways. I, I teach classes in it, and I also use it as a private practice with people that come to me for you know basically whatever ails them. Hypnosis can be used for a variety of things. Most people think of it in terms of quitting smoking or losing weight, you know that sort of thing. But hypnosis can be used for a variety of purposes. Milton Erickson was a psychiatrist, after all. You know he used it for any number of things. So I, I've been doing that as well, including one of the th most important things, most interesting things, at least for me back in the mid-90s, is I worked with Dr. Oz in New York City at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, where I was working for, with pre-surgical hypnosis. So prior to surgery, patients would have several hypnotic sessions with me. And then, of course, they would have anesthesia and everything else that went along with surgery. But uh, hypnosis helped make it a more pleasant uh, and short stay in the yeah. hospital. Yeah, it, it helps a lot with the healing and the self because it's they are not got such a and they're not so uptight when you're doing it, etc. Yeah, all exactly. kinds of reasons, yeah. all kinds. Yeah, uh, so that's very important, and I think that's really great. And uh, just to mention, we have someone in the field today, the patient whispers that do very similar sort of thing. They work in trauma wards, etc., with hypnosis. So today, I think that hypnosis is starting to come back to the forefront. And yes. I'm very happy. And that's why I like you to tell everything you do, because you know what? We can help so many people. Yeah, we really can. Hypnosis is, is it's a fascinating thing, because when you say to anybody that you do hypnosis, they go like, oh, 
hypnosis as if they know what you're talking about. <laughs> most people really don't because most people still have kind of uh, outdated preconceptions of hypnosis being something that they've seen on TV or in those stage shows or something where they're, you know, totally out of control and doing whatever the hypnotist says. And it's just this crazy thing. Um, and yet it's not that at all, really. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always say to people, what you see on the stage is their, their creativity being allowed to come out and they're having a good time and they've given yeah. permission to do that. So exactly. understand if you switch that into how you change your life, it works very good. So I just sort of reframe a little bit for the people that say that stuff. But it's, it's true. That's the perceptions are totally erroneous a lot of the time. So first thing I know that you and I agree on is we have no power. It's always in the client. Well, we have the power to guide the client yes. to get access to their yes. power. Yes, that's yeah. it. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. So we're on the same page for that for sure. And But I, I really like the idea that, you know, you say you've um, written a book, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's called The Slight of Mouth, right, is what you do. So I like the idea. I like the name of it, and I'll get you to get into that as we go along. And I'm okay. just going to give them a little tidbit of what they're in for. They're going to hear about you've also done havening techniques and all kinds of stuff. So um, it's going to be a very informative show. And I'm just going to sort of hand it over to you right now, and you start where you want to start. Okay. Well, great. Um, <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yes, it's been a, a journey for me of, of a discovery over the years because I have – I just have this curiosity about what works and about how people work and about, you know, how they go about creating their worlds for them and how we can nudge that and shift that a little bit with hypnosis or various other techniques. So along the way, I found various things that work and things that didn't necessarily work for me very well, but um, led to other, other discoveries. I so as an example, when I first learned about NLP from Tony Robbins way back in the 1980s, it was, it was fascinating to me because it, it was all about really how I could use it for myself. I, I wasn't interested in becoming a therapist. I was very happy, if you will, as a struggling musician. I was struggling professionally, but it was, you know, it was, it was, it filled my life. You know, it was what I did. I, music was my life. So um, I didn't make any money, but it was fascinating. Um, so I was interested in, in how this stuff could work for me, how I could make my music better, how I could make my, my life better, how I could be, you know, less stressed about things, how I could be less um, worried about things in my life. So I started using all those tools for myself. As time went on, I became proficient enough at them that people started saying, hey, something's different about you. What's going on? And I'd, I'd tell them about the hypnosis or tell them about the NLP and they'd say, well, I, I want some of that. And then, you know, I'd start offering that to people and just sort of gradually grew into my doing it professionally for others. And then it became a very nice profession because, you know, it works and it's, it's amazing <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> it actually works. People can quit smoking. So I started traveling the United States doing seminars for you know, smoking cessation. I would do 50, 100, 200 people at a time to quit smoking. And it works. Yeah. People walk out as non-smokers. You know, it's a remarkable thing that hypnosis can do. And I've always been curious about what else works. So only a few years ago, really, uh, 2013, I was introduced to the havening techniques, um, which is a psychosensory therapy. I'll talk more about it later on. 
But um, I had seen other psychosensory therapies, like various forms of tapping, uh, EFT, yeah. emotional freedom technique is one, uh, TFT, which I think stands for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What does that stand for? I, TFT. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I forget, yeah. but I know how, I know about TFT. I know yeah. about, you know how it sort of started and all that stuff. Yeah, it's very very similar to EFT. Yeah, um, thought field therapy is what it's called. Um, so, but for whatever reason, those techniques did not work for me. I tried them. I tried them on myself. I tried them with clients. It just I, I got no no benefit from them personally. Um, so I was very skeptical when I heard about this havening techniques. But when I saw it in action, it was pretty earth shattering. It was just amazing how effective it was. And so I decided I really needed to do it. And frankly, I've been doing it ever since. Ever since 2013, I do it with myself every day. Um, I do it with clients, uh, pretty much 90% of my clients, I'd say, I'm guessing. Um, I do havening with them at some point. I still do hypnosis. I still do NLP because those things obviously still work. Um, and yet, havening is, is part of the yeah. Part of the process pretty much and time. this show here is called Hypnosis Everywhere, but it's sort of coming from the angle that I believe anything that bypasses the conscious mind is, is hypnosis. So mm. EFT, TFT, Havening, they're all, it's just a word to say that we, we can help you in a subconscious way. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I think everything's hypnosis. So I think if mm. it doesn't work for you, it means it isn't designed to work for you as a therapist. And um, you just go, that's why we all work so differently, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the neurolinguistic programming as well is kind of like hypnosis, as you say. Yeah. And much of NLP is directly derived from the work of Milton Erickson, the Ericksonian mm -hmm. hypnosis. Um, and yet, it's not necessarily hypnosis. It's looking at the brain as if it's like a computer. So we look at the, um, uh, the input channels to the computer, the things that we see and hear and feel and taste and touch and then yeah. we process it in a certain way we run a kind of program inside our brain and then we get a result out so nlp wants to know how do we how do we do that and how can we change that program if the program we have been running hasn't been working so yeah. it's a another form of hypnosis kind of a 20th century or 21st century form of hypnosis if you will yeah so um that didn't go through anyway um I sort of lost my train of thought, so you're going to have to pick it up because I okay. <laughs> wasn't going to. I'll be, I'll be happy to pick it up. So, yeah, I, yeah, I just, um, the, for, for me, what you said before about everything as being hypnosis, I think is a very valid way of looking at things. And NLP, especially neurolinguistic programming, is really a kind of form of hypnosis in that it is the way that you're thinking, the way you're using your brain that yeah. bypasses or dances really well with yeah. the conscious mind. They go together yeah. very, very well. So that it's yeah. a, a way of being able to direct your unconscious in a positive way. Yeah. And I, you know, when I talk about all these different styles of hypnosis, like I tell you, I only know certain facets. I usually know enough to talk a little bit about it, but I don't know everything. So I, uh, that's why I'd rather hand it over to you because you're the expert in the field that you work in. Yes, right? it's very true. I actually do know everything. So. <laughs> and he's and he's humble too. <laughs> humble, yes. That's my that's my best feature. Actually, is my humbleness. No, but <laughs> but seriously, um, there are very many forms of hypnosis. It's been around for a long time, and many mm. people have contributed in their own different way. 
So yeah, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, Beautiful it's thing. been around forever. I mean, we, we talk about, I mean, Jerry Kine, who trained me, he always used to joke what was the first, uh, you know, what was the most, uh, what was the first profession, you know, when everybody's mind goes to a certain profession. But he said, no, that's not right. It's, it is hypnosis. It started with the word. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, we all joke about it. But seriously, it's been there, the Greek temples. I mean, all of that stuff I consider hypnosis. Sure, you know, oh, I agree. Anytime that you shift sand. So it's been, it is a natural occurrence. It's like breathing. I think that hypnosis happens every second of the day. We are hypnotizing ourselves in what we're thinking with our thoughts. So, you know, for me, it's a sort of an ever-present thing. I can completely agree with you. And so for me, I like to use that, um, that fact that it's an everyday, ever-present thing by using self-hypnosis pretty much yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, I, I like to go to sleep at night with giving myself suggestions of how I can make my day better. Look yeah. at my previous day, how well it's been a contribution to my life and mm -hmm. you know, frame it in a way that's going to be a positive outcome for my future. So, I mean, we, we, we all know about the early days of positive thinking, and it's uh, much more than that. But just the idea that you are creating positive thoughts in your mind, and it becomes a habit, mm -hmm. right? It's yes, very exactly. powerful. And that's why I'm always saying to the clients, you know, start some self-hypnosis. You'll, you'll just, your life will change. You'll change yourself. In fact, that's really true. Um, it's interesting. I, Milton Erickson, um, my although I never met the man, was kind of a huge influence on my hypnosis work. Um, he once told the story, he said, you know, that people, we don't need to really delve into where things came from and why are we so screwed up? Why are we, why do we have this way of being? Why do we have this neurosis? Why do we have this? We don't really need to know. What no. we really need to know is just where are we going to go from here? Yeah. And he used to tell the story, he said, when he was a kid, he grew up on a farm. And uh, he learned early on that when you slopped out the stalls, you didn't, you know, you, you took that stuff and put it in a wheelbarrow and dumped it out Got behind the it. wheel. Yeah, <laughs> put it in, behind the barn and covered it over with straw. You didn't have to go kick around back there, you know. <laughs> psychological archaeology is about that, you know. It's about digging into that old stuff behind the barn. Yeah, and, we don't and, need to and do that. talking about We need to just say, hey, how are we going to go forward from here? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm talking about it. Endlessly. Yeah. So it's really about habits. It's about creating habits that are going to get you to where you want to go. And for my money, NLP, Ericksonian hypnosis, behaving techniques are all doing the same thing. They're helping you to outgrow the old patterns and to grow into new patterns, grow into mm -hmm. new habits, habits that are being more effect effective and efficient for you to get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think also that, you know, most a lot of people who are listening to the show all the time are well-versed in what hypnosis is by now. Um, but I know there's always new people, so it's always good to hear that, that their own words have very lot of power. And their own words, they if they do. come in the positive, have are, are really more powerful than anything. Yeah. No, that's very true. When I used to travel the country to do those hypnosis workshops for smoking cessation and weight loss, I'd often say to the people that, you know, you are very fortunate. Everyone in this room is very fortunate because the greatest hypnotist in the world is in this room today. And they'd all kind of laugh because they think I'm talking about me. 
<laughs> and I said, no, but that person is you. That person sitting right there behind your belly button, you know, the greatest hypnotist in your world. Because mm -hmm. the way you talk to yourself, your mind listens to you. Your brain listens to you. And the what you say to yourself, the, the way you, you know, beat yourself up or encourage yourself, your unconscious mind listens to you. And I think from the way we come up and socially, everything and culturally and all those things happen that really the negative tends to be more powerful in the regular person till you draw attention to that they can shift that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting. You and I talked a little bit before the, the show about the what ifs in our language. Yeah. We often talk to ourselves and say, well, what if this happened? What if... But, but what if that happens? And we, we discourage ourselves from making positive change because like, well, what if it didn't work? Or what, you know, yeah. that what if part of our brain is powerful. So it's always kind of interesting to say, well, well, what if this is going to work out really, really well? You know, mm. what if the world is conspiring with me to make, the, <laughs> make it just the way I want it to be? What if I can do anything? What if I couldn't fail, you know, and using that same what if part of your brain to start looking at positive futures? Yeah, I think that's powerful because people at first, they don't even realize that they are always talking to themselves in a negative way. Wow, right. that was really silly what you just did. You know, right. they don't need, they're not that nice about it. Then they just say you're silly <laughs> or you're whatever. And yeah. they're not as nice yeah, about exactly. it as I was, you know. So, uh, I mean, I catch myself doing it. But at least you I'm do. aware. I'm totally aware of when I go into that. <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. We we do. Of course, our unconscious mind works in our ways, too. We just get more uh, awareness of that and then begin yeah. to shorten the duration between which yes. we uh, yeah. change course. Okay. Yeah. So, um, guess what? You know, our sur sur first segment is done. And wow. we got lots more to... We don't have a lot of time. We're going to get lots of good stuff in, and we'll see you on the other side. Very good. Thank you very much. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, this is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and on Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us, the new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours. 
And we explore Simpson Protocol hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before. We'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better. So come join us on Hypnosis Everywhere, amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, send an email to Inez, that's I-N-E-S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Hypnosis Everywhere. And I'm just going to really quickly go back to Doug, because we have so much to talk about, I don't want to take up too much. So straight at you, Doug, and maybe we were talking about havening earlier. Maybe we can clue them in a little more on what havening is. Sure, I'd love to. Havening or the havening techniques is a is a new, relatively speaking, it's been around for just a couple three years. Um, psychosensory therapy. Okay. A psychosensory therapy meaning that there's psycho, which is the talking aspect of therapy, and there's also sensory, which is a a touching aspect. So there's actually touch, like a massage aspect to to uh, the havening techniques. And the reason that is is very interesting. If I could tell a little bit of a story of the yeah. origin story of how this happened. Um, there's a doctor here in New York City named Dr. Ronald Rudin, who was introduced to the tapping that we talked about before, the TFT, um, by a hypnotist by the name of Paul McKenna in England. Yeah. Yeah. Paul is a very famous hypnotist in England. He's friends of Dr. Rudin's. And he was telling him about tapping. And Dr. Rudin said, well, that's very interesting, but it makes no sense to me from a you know medical doctor perspective. He's an MD, Dr. Rudin, who also has a PhD in organic chemistry. So he said to Paul, you know, is there a book or anything I could read about that? And he said, yes, there is actually. There's a book called, um, actually, I don't know the title of the book, but it's written by Callahan. And so Dr. Rudin got that book and was reading it one day in his clinic on the Upper East Side of Manhattan when one of his fellow doctors there at the clinic happened to mention that she had a phobia of cats. And Dr. Rudin said, well, I'm reading a book. I'm removing phobias. Would you like to try this? And she said, sure, why not? And so he sat down with her and opened the book to the page on removing phobias and said, okay, do this, tap here and tap there and do these various things. And, and her phobia went away. So this got his attention and then he said, oh, that's weird. So anytime another patient would come throughout the rest of the day for a checkup, he'd say, by the way, do you have a phobia about anything? And he did five <laughs> more throughout the day and they all worked. Every single one of them worked. So he thought, okay, now this is definitely weird because I still don't buy the you know, scientific quote unquote explanation for why it's working, but it's working. So something must be going on. So he said that he put his research cap back on. He went back into his PhD mode and started doing research as to like what he felt was going on here. Why was this actually working? And I'm going to make a long story short here. I'm going to cut to the chase as to what he finally found out is that when you do tapping or apply any sort of sensation to the forehead or to the cheeks or to the uh, upper arms, that that electrical chemical signal that's sent to the brain is sent to the brain in forms of a delta wave. So basically any sensation, any sensation at all, whether you see something, hear something, taste something, any sensation must, by the nature of our brain, 
must be transduced into an electrical chemical signal to be sent to the brain so the brain can make sense of it. So that delta wave that you get from touching the arms and touching the face changes the chemistry of the brain. So the electrical part is the delta wave. The chemistry part is oxytocin, dopamine, mm -hmm. serotonin, and GABA are released into the brain from that touch. So the utilization of those chemicals is what havening is all about. What Dr. Rudin also discovered is that when a person is traumatized, it's because there's a, a part of the brain called the amygdala, where the yep. postsynaptic surface of the amygdala has these ampere receptors that pop up, these glutamate receptors that, that cause the fight or flight response. Those get kind of glued into place when a trauma is encoded and havening because of these changes in the brain chemistry are able to take those ampere receptors away and make them go, you know, basically away forever. They're, they're removed from the brain. So that is um, a cure actually happening well, here. Yeah, well, that's great. And the only thing is I'd like you to repeat the name of the book that you initially mentioned because it was meant uh, uh, a little bit. Yeah, and I, just I, to make I don't sure. know the name of Roger Callahan's book. I honestly oh, don't know the okay. name. That's, I know the Callahan. Um, yeah. But, uh, Dr. So it was Rudin's the original. We're talking called, about the TFT then. Yeah, the right. TFT or EFT. I'm not sure which one Callahan did. No, he was T. I'm pretty sure he started with TFT, and then Gary Craig made it simplified in EFT. Okay. Because he had all these prescriptions, right, for each thing, like the right. phobia, this, and that's why you know these were where you tapped, and that's what you did, and this is what you did, and uh, it was a big prescription book. So really, only doctors okay. should have been doing it. So. He did the right thing, and he found out it worked. That's cool. Great. Um, yeah. Great. And uh, but if you ever find it out, just let it me, and I'll put it on the on the page. Or Martin's already got it, I think. So that's okay. He's done the okay. Google on it. But so we'll but put most it importantly, I think Doctor Doctor Rudin took what worked from the EFT. Yeah. And he took what worked from other forms of therapy like yeah. EMDR, and, yeah. he, and he took away what things didn't work. So the yeah. havening techniques is kind of a result of what works and removing what doesn't work, focusing on what does work and removing what doesn't. So instead of tapping, we just simply stroke the face, stroke the forehead, because you get a lot more delta waves that yes. way. You, yeah. don't, you don't tap on places where you don't get delta waves. Yeah. You just focus on what does. And havening is by, therefore, by my standards at least, uh, vastly more effective than any other, you know, psychosensory therapy that I've ever seen. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So the havening techniques are being practiced in your office? Yeah, I do them here and people do them all over the world. It's actually a fast growing uh, segment yeah, of the psychosensory. I've, I've heard that quite a lot of the British hypnotherapists use it because that's, I seem to have more connection there than I do with uh, maybe where you are. And for some reason, a lot of them, I see it mentioned that they use it quite a bit. I, th I think it may be because Paul McKenna is such a strong presence in England and because he is such a strong proponent of the havening techniques. Yeah. Some people think he even invented it, although he didn't. Dr. Rudin <laughs> invented it. But Paul is certainly a strong proponent of it. You can see yeah. videos of Paul doing it. And, yeah. yeah. People have seen him on TV and stuff. And always yeah. that gives authority some on the level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, any problems with um, the touch of people concerning anything? As, as long as permission's granted, it should be fine. Right? That's an excellent question. Yeah, the havening techniques are usually, you know, the touch is applied by the therapist. But yeah. there doesn't have to be. I can do it over the phone with people. I yeah. can do it over Skype. 
So as long as they're knowing where to touch, they can, like I am right now, if you're going to be watching this video, yeah. um, I'm stroking my own forehead. You know, the client yeah. can stroke their own forehead or stroke their own cheeks, stroke their own arms, and they're still going to get the delta waves. That's right. So if they understand that, then that's part of total understanding. And then they get into, when they receive the change, mm-hmm. it creates them to know it works really well. And Absolutely. then, you know, that's good. Yeah. yeah so, I actually know some people who are um, licensed social workers who, because of their licensing, can't do touching. You know, they can't touch their clients. So they always, always have the client to the, uh, apply the havening touch to themselves. So the, I was just sort of thinking about uh, what I do in my work. It's like I don't touch my clients in that way, but I do mm-hmm. do some. It's more about connection than mm-hmm. But I also use lasers a lot of the time, which is kind of does a, a, a sort of a, an interesting facet. So uh, many of us are are starting to just reach out and see if we can expand and move things forward, right? Uh-huh. And it's uh, it's very cool too. How do you Maybe do lasers? Well, uh, there are scalar waver, waves, which is not a pinpoint laser. Not using those ones that you know you uh-huh. don't do that. They're very. They're called uh, quantum lasers, and they're very well. They're priced, you know, where that I could buy them. I'm not spending thirty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars on a laser for my office, so I use them with people, especially with physical things. Uh, I find it helps them even allow trance easier because of just feeling more comfortable. I don't know; it just works, and I use it especially when I'm working with pro health or increasing uh, their immunity system, their immune systems and, you know, getting the negative thinking out of the way so they can promote health in themselves. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think there's also, you just reminded me of this, that, um, you know, we, we have technology these days. We have, you know, advances in neuroscience that allow mm-hmm. us to understand what's going on in the brain so that we can do things like havening that probably couldn't have existed 20 years ago because we didn't true. know what was going on in the brain yeah. and, and uh, the application of lasers, et cetera. But in some ways, you know, getting back to human touch, we're mm-hmm. also getting back to something that's been around since there's been humans. And you know, it's, it's, it's such you know, a needed thing. Human touch is yeah. very needed. And many of the clients so that come to you have no touch. Necessary. So even yeah, if I'm just holding their shoulder, as a connection, they feel supported, right. they feel all those things. So, Absolutely. I mean, people can always tell the difference in touch, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do know that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's a, a total understanding of where you're coming from and you are a team, right? When we're working, yeah, it's absolutely. always about the team. Yeah. It's always about the team. Yeah, it's, it's a cooperative thing. We talked at one point about how... Um, Sometimes people think in hypnosis they're going to get, you know, zapped and put into trance and that they'll be powerless except for what the hypnotist does to them, et cetera. But that's really not true ever, even in a situation that looks that way. It's always, always a cooperative venture, cooperative uh, operation, if you will. You know, you and the hypnotist are always working together. Always. You know, so you you, you I, never really are in a situation where you will lose control. Yeah. No. Unless you give that control to them. That's you know, different, isn't people. it? Some people yeah. who believe and they just 
I think mm, that's a judgment. I think I'll hold that back. (laughs) 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 I'll keep my own judgments in my head. Um, But uh, understand that when you are doing this with people and their belief system comes into play, Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to educate our clients about what we're doing so they can at least understand what's happening. And so that's a big facility. You know, we always say, well, the pre-talk is important. And I think it is because their conceptions of what is possible is can many times be erroneous. Sure. Absolutely. And it's fascinating because I I do a pre-talk even with the havening techniques, whereas, you know, basically havening techniques is, supplying what we call electroceuticals, you know, these chemicals that are made yeah. by the brain because of the delta waves happening in the body. Mm-hmm. So the electroceuticals that naturally happen in the body, it happens whether we are, you know, thinking about it or not. You know, you touch your arms, you get delta yeah. waves. You do the stroke, yeah. you get delta waves. The delta waves cause those things to happen. I'm we sure glad I'm kinesthetic. We don't need yeah. We don't need to believe it. It just simply <laughs> is there. It's happening. It's not placebo effect. It's happening. And well, the whole thing with placebo effect, I'm going to get you on that one because, you know, placebo effect, I think, is the best thing ever. Well, I'm, I was just saying, the fact that it isn't placebo effect is great, but you add placebo into that, it's even better. You know, yeah. we add, add belief into this actual thing that's totally. taking place. Yeah. It's even better. Yeah. So it's not just I think it's the best effect. hypnosis Plus, ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. You're right. Absolutely. You know. So, um, people's belief system, you, I think it's quite important to at least understand a little bit of how that person, you know, I, I always laugh at Bob Burns because he asked them if they brought in their manual. They were a little shocked, but it, it really does tell you, you know, we don't know how you work exactly. Right. You know, right. and so we want to know, we want to do this right for you. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all good. That's really true. You know, and it is an interesting thing. Years ago when I was working with Dr. Oz at the Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, part of the reason I was there as a hypnotist is not because I was, you know, wanted. They didn't want part of the reason I was there (laughs) is that um, I was I was being studied. They were studying what quote unquote alternative therapies would work in a hospital setting. So it was part of a of a investigation. So we had a variety of different things there. We had hypnosis, we had acupuncture, we had acupressure, we had qigong, we had yoga, we had massage, we had reflexology. A number of things were being studied to see what would work. It was very difficult to do, to really study hypnosis properly because it was almost impossible to do fake hypnosis. You couldn't do um, a double-blind study. You could do a double-blind study with other things where you give a placebo where you give a, yeah. you know, uh, I'm talking about the placebo effect, mm-hmm. where you give a sugar pill for somebody yeah. and say, this is a real pill, this is real medicine, and it isn't, right? And so the placebo yeah. effect is they believe it to be a real medicine, yeah. so therefore it responds like a real medicine. Yeah. You know, it was virtually impossible to do fake hypnosis because what are you going to do? You can't say to a person, well, don't relax and don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I know it's Um, because part of it is the relationship between the client and the therapist. You know, there's that that belief that this person has my best interests in mind, and this belief that uh, if I'm going to relax now, then I'm going to feel better. And 
you know, how do you fake that? You can't fake And that. I'm sure they found that it was very helpful. It was very helpful. By the time the studies were done, most everything else was like politely asked to leave the hospital and, you know, thank you for coming. But the only two things that were left standing were hypnosis and massage. Those were the only two therapies that were still happening when I left the hospital after 10 years of being there. Well, that's great. And, you know, I see it everywhere around the world. In Belgium and Liège, they do lots of um, hypnosis instead of having to use full anesthesia, which Mm -hmm. is huge because many people can't take full anesthesia. Yeah. Right? And all this stuff. And I'm glad it's coming. We're we're doing full circle. In the 50s and 60s, doctors were learning hypnosis and and stuff. And then they found out, well, maybe it's a little bit too much work to put in with my thing. But now they're starting to understand they can use another hypnotist, you know, in the the hospital. Yeah, it was just a little too much work. It worked just fine, but it was just a little too much trouble. For the doctors plus. Yeah. Yeah, right. There you go. You know, when I was working at the hospital, I, I had a situation come up where I had to have an operation of my own. Yeah. I developed a hernia, so I had to have a hernia operation. And I decided while I was at it, if I were, since I, you know, was hypnotist, I might as well put my money where my mouth was. And I found a surgeon who was willing to do the surgery without using any anesthesia. Yeah. So I did a hernia surgery with just using it, listening to a tape that I had made for myself. And, yeah. And uh, went through the whole surgery that way. Yeah. And you know what? I think more and more, even if we didn't have, and there's certain things in di- different types of uh, operations that I might not want to be around right. <laughs> with my conscious mind. So I think, you know, that uh, Mayo Clinic and other places like that, that use a bit of each uh, mm-hmm. is great for most people. Um, but, you know, minor surgery, like taking a, a cystode or, Anything, as long as you don't have, I don't want to just know about the other stuff. My imagination is really good. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I think it's for everybody. I think hypnosis helps in every way and everything. So we're down to a minute. So I want you just to tie up anything you wanted to say before break. Okay. Well, it's actually down to 30 seconds. So all I will say is, yes, (laughs) hypnosis is good for you. Okay. Okay. We'll see you on the other side, and we're going to talk about uh, um, his book. We'll see you there. Yeah, the sleight of mouth. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Hi. This is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show, Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and on Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us, the new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours. And we explore Simpson Protocol Hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before. We'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better. So come join us on Hypnosis Everywhere, amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. 
Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum Scalar Wave Lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar Wave Lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The Quantum Lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, send an email to Inez, that's I-N-E-S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to our last lap of our show, and I hate to say it's already the last lap, so I'm just going to let Doug keep talking about where we left off <laughs> and go into whatever else he wants to talk about. <laughs> Okay, very good. So where we left off, if I recall correctly, um, was talking about using hypnosis in, uh, in, in the hospital setting. Yeah. Um, and the power of placebo. Yeah. And what I want to talk about now, you you'd asked me about my book, Sleight of Mouth. It's actually, my book is called The User's Guide to Sleight of Mouth. Okay. Sleight of Mouth is, is a technique that comes from the world of NLP, the Neural Linguistic Programming. And what I'd like to just say about that is that NLP, the Neuro Linguistic Programming, started from these two gentlemen, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, um, looking at other experts, people who like, like Milton Erickson, who was an expert in Ericksonian hypnosis and psychotherapy, looking at other experts like Fritz Perls, who was an expert in gestalt therapy, mm-hmm. uh, Virginia, Virginia Satir, who was an expert in family therapy. And they tried to model these people. So they said, uh, how do we move like they do? How do they use their bodies like they did? How do we breathe like they do? How do we talk like they talk? How do we, you know, ask questions like they ask questions? So they were modeling all of their, their physiologies and also their behaviors. And if possible, their beliefs by asking certain questions to understand what their beliefs were. And as much as possible, they would, would take all this information and put it into them, their own self. They would, you know, take that program and put it into their own computer. Mm-hmm programming would create a new way of being within that. So throughout this process, when Richard Bandler was modeling all these different experts, one of his students, a fellow named Robert Diltz, was watching him, was watching Robert, was, <laughs> was watching Richard. And Richard was a remarkable uh, persuader. He could persuade anybody of anything. He could sell a you know, refrigerator to an Eskimo, as the expression were to go. Um, so Robert was always curious, like, how, how does he do that? How is he per, so persuasive? What are these patterns of persuasion that he has? And so Robert Diltz was responsible for modeling Richard, for turning the tables and modeling the modeler, you know? So <laughs> what sleight of mouth is then, therefore, is a, is a you know, it's a codification. It's a, it's a, it's a simplification. It's, a, it's creating a system of taking those patterns that Richard did and putting it into a system that we can understand. Yeah, um, I learned that directly from Robert Diltz. I went out to California and learned that from him. And then when his book came out called Sleight of Mouth, um, I was kind of, well, um, oh, I just to say it. I was disappointed in the book because it wasn't what I had learned from him. He had left things out as far as how to actually employ it, how to do it yourself, weren't included in his book. 
So the reason I wrote my book is to sort of fill in those gaps and to say, how do you actually do this? How can you do this? How can a person yeah. take this and, and do it in their own lives? Um, so that's what my book, The User's Guide to Sleight of Mouth, is all about, is, is to, to take this really remarkable per persuasion skill and teach it to a layman, teach it to a person who just wants to you know, be better at sales in, uh, you know, in yeah. your real estate office or, or a coach who wants to be better at persuading that their client has other ways of thinking and you can do this instead of what you used to do. You know, the, the ability to yeah. persuade is kind of universal. You know, a parent mm -hmm. persuading their kid that, you know, to do this rather than what the drug pusher on this corner uh -huh. wants to do. These are pretty good everyday skills for some, a parent to help. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So sleight of mouth is about that. It's about changing those uh, old ways of, you know, responding to persuasive skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, go ahead. You've got that book and it's available and it'll, the information will be on the page. We'll put it up. Martin will put that all up, make sure. But you do have another one coming out eventually here, and it's not, you don't know exactly when, but it's a storyteller's handbook. Yeah, that's and, correct. And so that will fit in a little bit with the next conversation. I'd like to know about what you call Neo Ericksonian hypnosis. Sure. Absolutely. And a little bit about that, and then lead into the storytelling if you can. Okay, great. Happy to do okay. that. The um, Neo Ericksonian hypnosis is really simply basically. Um, a response that I had to, um, oh gosh, again, I'm trying to be nice in policy. <laughs> um, <laughs> trying um, is not working, so let's go for it. <laughs> okay, I'll just say it. Um, I, I was, I, I mentioned to you, I was a musician and came into um, NLP and hypnosis kind of through the back door. Um, my, my, my degrees if from college are in music. I have no degrees in psychology. I'm not I have no PhD, no LS, no CSW or anything like that. I have a degree in music. So when I wanted to learn Ericksonian hypnosis from the Ericksonians, they said, no, you, you can't. You're not qualified to learn what we have to teach. <laughs> so I had to go, you know, again, through the back door and I had to learn from other people that would teach it to me. I learned from a guy named Dave Dobson, who technically didn't do Ericksonian hypnosis. He created his own form of hypnosis, very, very similar to Ericksonian but different. I learned from other of Erickson's students, like Stephen Gilligan, who was willing to teach me, and some uh, Bill O'Hanlon, who was willing to teach me. So certain people were allowed allowed me into their sanctum to, to learn some things. And then, of course, I read every book that I could get my hands on and, and do this stuff. So ultimately, neo-Ericksonian comes from the fact that I never met Erickson. You know, Erickson, frankly, died before I ever even heard of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I did have the good fortune to meet his wife and visited his house while she was still living there. Um, you know, so I, I sat in his chair, if that means anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Osmosis, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> absorbed it there. But yeah, so Neo Erickson is just basically saying, you know, this isn't really Ericksonian hypnosis. This is a blending. This is my version of Ericksonian hypnosis. This is NLP and hypnosis and other forms of hypnosis, not just Ericksonian, but traditional hypnosis, you know, fast hypnosis. It's what works. It's what works. And so I, my, my form of hypnosis is when a person walks into my door, I, I, I assess who are, who is this person? Who is this individual? You know, I don't have one, you know, way of doing it for everybody. 
it's not a traditional hypnosis where you go into trance and then say you will quit smoking. You know, I I have a different approach for every individual that comes into my office because that's what Erickson did. And mm -hmm. I learned things that Erickson never learned. You know, Erickson never learned NLP. Erickson never learned sleight of mouth. Erickson yeah. certainly never learned havening or probably yeah. would have done it if he had learned it. You well, know? the whole thing, though, is that we are walking on the shoulders of the people before us and yes. God help us. We need to take it forward, don't we? Yes. Thank yeah. you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's what the, the, the term Neo-Ericksonian hypnosis is all about. It's, it is Ericksonian and more. And hopefully, yeah. yes, building from there. So it's even yeah. hopefully better. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is if we stay doing exactly what they did in the 50s and the 60s, we're going to stay there. And yeah. ultimately, all of us, in all, not all of us, but most of us that are deciding that we add in whatever works and it just yeah. keeps evolving. It's about an evolution. It is about an evolution. Yeah. And speaking of evolutions, I, I, I learned from Erickson the, the power of stories. You know, I told you a little briefly of the story about how he learned to uh, slap out the stalls. Now, that's a yeah. story that Erickson would teach, um, that he would tell. He told a story once a bunch of psychotherapists were asking him, how do you do psychotherapy? And he said, well, you know, I was a, I was a child. I was walking home from school one day, and this horse ran by me. And the horse ran into this farmer's yard, and the farmer came out and said, hey, get your horse out of my, my yard. And he said, well, it's not my horse, but I'll make sure he gets back where he belongs. So he jumped up on the horse's back and, you know, turned his head towards the road from whence he'd come and said, giddy up, horse, go. And they, whatever he said, I don't know, what he said, <laughs> something like that. He encouraged the horse to go. And so about a mile or so down the road, the horse turned down this other country road and then finally turned into this other farmer's yard. Farmer said, hey, thank you for bringing my horse back. How did you know where to bring him? And Erickson said, well, I didn't know, but I knew that the horse knew. And all I needed to do is keep its attention on the road. Mm. And he said, I think that's how you do psychotherapy. That's a really good story. Yeah. And so Erickson would tell stories like that. And he would tell stories, you know, almost invariably people would ask a question and you would never get a straight answer. He'd, he'd tell a story. <laughs> so I learned the power of stories. And, and along the way, uh, a colleague of mine, Nick Kemp, and I were teaching stories um, and in an Ericksonian kind of way about the power of stories th um, from a therapeutic perspective. And as we told this, as we more and more taught this class in stories, it became more and more just about storytelling. And so I finally began to write a book a couple, three years ago called The User's Guide to, uh, to Storytelling, I think it was called at first. Now it's called The Storyteller's Handbook. But it became not just about Ericksonian or therapeutic storytelling, but just the fun and the joy of storytelling. Um, there's plenty of storytelling places around the world these days. You know, the moth is an example. Um, very popular for people to go listen to stories being told, you know, usually true stories. Um, but Garrison Keillor and the Prairie Home Companion and, you know, there's storytelling all over the place. So this book that I'm writing and almost am actually finished with, but it's being shopped around to publishers at the moment, is um, it's called The Storyteller's Handbook. And it's about how to not only... Um, find a good story to tell, but also how to tell it well, how to craft it in a way that, you know, there's a, a nice, you know, structure to it, but also that you know the different ways of telling it well, to use your voice well, to, to you know, put 
metaphors within your story so that the story has a story within it. It's, it makes meaning for the person who's listening to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think I can understand why that appeals to you. It's very creative for one thing. And yes. even though you're not doing music, that creativity, mm. um, I'm sure, comes out in there. Right. That's true. And it's kind of funny because I was never a particularly good um, lyricist when it came to the song writing. I was more of the music guy. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting, actually, to get into the other side of things and you know, the words yeah. that go in there. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, maybe you can put them to music soon. Ah, well, you know, people were watching this. They could see behind me there's some um, tubular bells and wind chimes hanging up there. I do create my own music for the hypnosis recordings that I make. Um, oh, great. So a, yeah. Ah, yeah. See, there's some more little tidbits of information. Yeah. You. Ah, <laughs> that's great. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've got about four minutes to close. And is there, Martin has been keeping track here for me. Is there anything else we need to, like, I need to ask him that you think, because he's my little sort of director here. Martin my sidekick. Yeah. Martin is my sidekick. He does all the work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everyone needs so Martin. we only, yeah, it's true. They, everybody wants him. Uh, we only <laughs> have a couple minutes left. Can you give the people out there maybe a little technique or something they can use for themselves? Surely. Well, one of the things I, I think I recommended, like pretty much every client I've ever worked with, is to recognize that we naturally go into trance all the time. Mm -hmm. And one of the obvious times is when you're falling asleep at night. And what most people do is they don't, they don't recognize that their conscious mind is different from their unconscious mind. Conscious mind is rational, but the unconscious mind is purposeful. So in other words, it'll do what you tell it to do. You just want to make sure you give it very clear instructions. So at nighttime, when you're falling asleep, instead of worrying about what you did over the day or fretting about what you might do tomorrow, just give yourself very clear instructions of what you want to have be true. So say to yourself things like, it's going to be a great day. I really am going to have all my resources available and, and visualize that for yourself. See yourself being exactly the way you want it to be because your brain doesn't occur, doesn't communicate just in words. Yeah. These pictures are important as well. So you visualize what you want to have be true, say positive things to yourself. And you can even do a little of the havening touch, just stroking your forehead, stroking your cheeks, stroking your arms. It creates those delta waves, makes it go in even deeper. Great. That sounds great. It's very similar to other things we've done, but I like the combination of all three things. It's very cool. Excellent. All right. And thank you for coming because uh, it's been a great show. So thanks, Melissa Tears, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we'll be seeing you again. And uh, Melissa will be on on the 13th of November. I, yeah. So we're going to double great. whammy the people with uh, knowledge Excellent. of the brain and all those things. Well, say hi to so, Melissa for me when you see her. I will. And thank you for coming. <laughs> My and pleasure. Thanks for having Hopefully me. we get to do this again. I'll be in touch. Okay. Good. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. And I believe we have a great show next week with another friend of mine. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol, with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week. 